When Hearts Collide. This is a sermon series about the fruits of the Spirit. And basically what we're talking about is the connection between our heart and God's heart. How when we receive the Holy Spirit, that that is the heart of God, the heartbeat of God, and that when the Holy Spirit collides with us, when God's heart and our heart collide, then we start to receive some changes internally in our heart. We start to receive what the Bible refers to as the fruits of the Spirit. This is a growing way that we connect with God, with the emotions of God, the heart of God. So that's what this series is all about. It's about receiving of the Spirit because there's more than just an intellectual side to our faith. There's a spiritual side to our faith. And if we ignore the spiritual side, then we're going to miss very, very important things. And of course, if we ignore the intellectual side, then we've got some serious problems as well. We need to embrace believing in God, in spirit, and in truth. You know, both ways, through the spirit of God and through the truth. The uh, fruits of the Spirit are described in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So look at this list. The fruits of the Spirit. This is your heart condition, the believer's heart condition. What would it be like if when you woke up in the morning, your heart was full of love and of joy and of peace and of the rest of the things on this list? What if that was your heart condition? What would your life be like? That'd be pretty good, right? What would it be like to be around you? If your heart condition was love and joy and peace and patience and all these things, what would it be like to be around you? Now, this is abundant life in Christ, that we have the heart of God inside of us. It can be a long process. It can be kind of a battle. But don't we want joy? Don't we want peace? Don't we want love? Don't we want kindness and goodness and all these things in our lives. And I believe that everybody is seeking after these good things in their heart. And there can be some misguided attempts to try to grab hold of peace. Have you ever had just anxiety and fear and you needed to do something to calm yourself down and you did something that in the long run wasn't very helpful? Have you ever done that? Where you went to an unhealthy coping mechanism instead of a healthy coping mechanism? You know, the ways of God, be connecting with the Holy Spirit of God is something that can bring peace in the midst of the storm, but then there's no backlash tomorrow. In fact, our lives are better tomorrow. We're not digging ourselves deeper into a hole. And there's another description in Galatians chapter 5 of the acts of the sinful nature, which a lot of these are just unhealthy coping mechanisms. It's us trying to take a shortcut into salving that anxiety in our heart, salving that insecurity or that fear in our heart and trying to get something to work. And these are not ways that are going to help us get better in the long run, even though sometimes in the short term, they can bring a measure of happiness or peace or things like that. They're an illusion to grabbing hold of good things. So let's read Galatians 5, 19 through 21. 
This is just the verses immediately before the fruits of the Spirit. So we've got a contrast between the acts of the sinful nature and the fruits of the Spirit. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So go back to verse 20. What if in the morning you wake up and your heart is full of hatred, discord, jealousy, rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, and factions? What would it be like to wake up in the morning like that? That's kind of rough. What would it be like to be around you if this described your heart condition? How many people do you think who are not believers in Jesus, have experienced this in their interactions with Christians rather than love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. What do you think that does to them? It's a depth of hypocrisy that goes beyond action. You know, you can act as a hypocrite and you can be in the essence of who you are a hypocrite. When we do not have the heart of God, but we claim to be walking with God, it pushes people away from God. We need to grab hold of the heart of God. It's good for us. It's good for the people around us. It's good for everyone. We need to grab hold of the fruits of the Spirit. And that's what we're talking about in this series. A scripture that we haven't read yet, 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20, kind of talks about this, and uh, I'm trying to read different verses as we go through, because there's so many different ones that we can grab hold of. And this is one of the most like poorly quoted verses in the scriptures, so we'll read through this, 18 through 20. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So let's read verse 19 a little bit closer. Verse 19 again. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? So here, the Apostle Paul, writing a letter to the church in Corinth, is saying that you are walking around as a dwelling place of the Spirit of God. That's what you carry in you as a believer. Don't do dumb things with that temple. (laughs) Don't do ungodly things with that temple. But here's the deal. This is not talking about an intellectual uh, agreement with a particular doctrine. This is talking about a receiving of something holy from God, a spirit from God, the Holy Spirit of God that we carry in us, the Spirit of God. And so we need to realize that and act in accordance with that so that we can both grab hold of abundant life and share that with a hurting and broken world. All right, we're going to talk about faithfulness today from the list of fruits of the Spirit And when I looked it up uh, in different versions of the Bible, and then I went into the Greek, it's really more accurately translated just simply faith. The King James, it's just faith. I went in and it's the exact same word and the exact same tense 
as what's used in Matthew 9, 20 through 22. So let's read Matthew 9, 20 through 22 to try to get a sense of what this fruit of the Spirit is that in the NIV is called faithfulness, but really more accurately would be just faith. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her Take heart, daughter, he said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. When Jesus says, take heart, daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith, that word faith is the same word, the same tense as faithfulness in the list of the fruits of the Spirit. So really, we're looking at faith. I mean, she came to the Lord in faith. Trusting that if she could just connect with the healing power of God that was there through Christ, that she could be healed. And now faith, of course, is faith in God, faith in what God has for us. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But she, of course, when Jesus says your faith has healed you, she doesn't mean that you didn't need God and you just uh, on your own got healed. What Jesus means is your faith caused you to fight through and access the power of God. So she fought through and she accessed the power of God and she received her healing. But this is faith. You know, to me, faithfulness and faith kind of have different feels to them. You know, faithfulness is like doing the right thing over time and continuing with it. Right? Faithful. Like, for example, faithful giving. That's over the long haul consistently. But giving in faith might mean something very different. It might mean that you know you're supposed to give something, but it's a stretch and you don't, you know, in this moment, it seems like that's a little tough and you have to trust God to be able to do that because it may not uh, make sense in the natural. And so faithfulness and faith kind of have a different feel. And so I want to make sure that when we're looking at this as a fruit of the spirit, that we understand that, that the scriptures are talking about faith. And so... Faith is a fruit of the Spirit, but faith is also a spiritual gift, and faith is also a spiritual discipline or a personal responsibility. Faith is a complicated thing. And so this fall, we're going through these different series. In October, we talked about spiritual disciplines. You know, walking by faith is a spiritual discipline. This month, we're talking about fruits of the Spirit. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. Next month, we'll be talking about gifts of the Spirit, gifts that keep on giving, you know, and faith is a gift of the Spirit too. So faith is a very complicated and complex thing. There's a lot going on here with faith. You know, I hadn't realized that till we were going through this sermon series and I started looking at it with the different categories in mind of spiritual disciplines and fruits of the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit. And so it's really kind of interesting to look at faith from these different aspects because they're different. Fruits of the Spirit are for all believers. All believers should have all of the fruits of the Spirit. Now, God adds these to us. We don't just choose, say, to have joy. It's not just like, well, I guess I better have me some joy. And so now I have joy. You know, we we can't make that happen by our choice, but we can put ourselves in a position to receive that from God. We can abide in the vine. We can stay connected with God. And then 
Our hearts collide with God's heart, and over time, we develop the fruits of the Spirit. They grow over time. Now, spiritual gifts are different from believer to believer, according to God's plan, and they can change over time. So, spiritual gifts are more individual. If I have a spiritual gift, that doesn't mean that you're supposed to have the same spiritual gift. We can all have different spiritual gifts, and we need to recognize the value of each person in their differences with regards to spiritual gifts, and they can change over time. You know, when I was in high school, I tried to learn how to play the guitar. I played classical piano. I actually asked my mom to let me take piano lessons. I enjoyed playing piano. Rachmaninoff is the greatest composer of the classical era, the heavy metal of classical music. So I could play the piano, but I, got a, I bought a guitar to learn how to play guitar. And so I tried to learn how to play the guitar, and I just, I just wasn't very good at it. I just couldn't really get it. You know, so my guitar became an exercise bike. You just put it in the corner and you put clothes on it. And that's what you do with exercise bikes. That's what I did with my guitar. And and then I didn't play it and I sold it to my brother-in-law. And then when I was 30 years old, all of a sudden in my heart, it was January of the year 2000. I can remember these details for specific reasons. And all of a sudden, I'm just like, I need to learn how to play the guitar. Oh my goodness, I better learn how to play the guitar. So I borrowed the guitar from my brother-in-law that I sold my guitar to him. I'm like, dude, I need, can I borrow that guitar? And he's like, yeah, sure, you know, because he was using it as a clothing rack as well. So I borrowed the guitar in January, and by March, I'm leading worship at church by myself with the guitar. And, you know, I wasn't real good at it, but it worked. You know, it happened. And those are just spiritual gifts. It's abilities given by God that can change over time based on God's plan and what he wants to do. We don't get to pick our spiritual gifts. God picks those and that determines what our role is in the body of Christ. Now we can seek after certain spiritual gifts. There's nothing wrong with that. Paul says that to the Corinthians, you know, seek after the greater gifts. Yeah, that's good. Seek after gifts, but you don't necessarily get to pick. Like, I would love to have interpretation of tongues as a spiritual gift. My reasons for that would be, I want to know what's going on here. You know, is this a real message from God or is this just a crazy person? You know, I want to know. And maybe because that is my motivation, that's why God has not given me that particular gift. I don't know. But I can seek that. There's nothing wrong with that. But that doesn't require God to give me that. It's just up to him. His decision, his choice. And then spiritual disciplines or personal responsibilities are things that all believers are to walk in. They're to walk in God's ways. And that's a matter of personal discipline, personal choice. So we walk by faith or we trust God. We just choose to trust God. We say, yes, I'm going to trust God. In this situation, instead of caving to fear, I'm going to trust God. It's a spiritual discipline. It's a choice. And that is something that's different. You know, like we're we're to read our Bible, we're to pray, we're to give, we're to participate in the body of Christ. These are spiritual disciplines, things that we do and we choose to do and that is our responsibility. So we see faith here operating in a lot of different ways. And I can see how that could cause confusion. Because if you see faith purely as a spiritual gift, but not as a discipline, 
Then I've heard people say this, well, you know, whenever God wants to give me the faith to do that, then I guess he will, you know, but until then I'm just going to sit here and wait for God to give me some faith to trust him or to start coming to church or whatever. Like, no, no, that's, that's not the spiritual gift side. That's the spiritual discipline side of faith. The spiritual gift side, like one time my wife was up here on the prayer team and somebody started coming up for prayer. And my wife was just like, she's, this lady's going to get healed. This is going to happen. And she came down and got healed. And it just was like a thing like that. Have you ever prayed for somebody and you thought, yeah, I don't think they're going to get healed. I mean, just to be real. And then there's times where you're just like, yeah, oh, let's get to praying because I want this to be over and I want this person healed. Because you can just tell. That's like the, the gift of faith. It's a special moment. So when we are seeking out faith inside the context that we're talking about today, we're looking at faith as a fruit of the Spirit, not as the gift of faith and not as the spiritual discipline of faith, but we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit. This is a heart condition of faith. So what does it mean To have faith as a fruit of the Spirit. When we're talking about when hearts collide, we're talking about the heart of God hitting our heart. We know God's heart is full of love, even to people who have rejected Him and insulted Him and people who have hurt other people. God has love and mercy and kindness for those people. So we know that's part of God's heart. We want that to be part of our heart as well. So that's where the fruit of the Spirit builds that in us. And so if faith is a fruit of the Spirit, then it should be a description of the heart of God that then can become part of our heart. Does God need to have faith? Well, I believe that God has faith in you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross in faith, believing that people would choose to be forgiven and reconciled to God and then walk into God's plan for their life and God's calling for them, knowing that there would be those who would refuse. I believe God has faith in you. God created you. Jesus died for you. The Holy Spirit is here as a guide for you. God believes in you. He has faith in you. The only question is, is God's faith in you misguided? I believe that to God, believing in you is worth the risk. It's worth the risk. Jesus went to the cross for the sins of the whole world, not just for those who would accept But there are those who Jesus paid the price for their forgiveness and they just left it on the table and didn't get forgiven. It was worth the risk to God. He has put his faith in you. And I believe God also has put his faith in us, in the church. Not just Good Hope Church, but in the body of believers to be his hands and feet in this world. He's trusting us to carry his message and his love and his joy and his peace into this world. He's put his faith in us. So our God is a God of faith. Let's talk about faith as a heart condition. What if you woke up in the morning full of faith? That your heart condition was such that, yeah, this looks pretty rough, but I know it's going to work out. Yeah, this is a hard season, but God is on the throne. (laughs) I've read the end of the book, and this is going to work out. Because God has a plan, and he is not surprised by this. And so I know it's going to work. 
as a heart condition. I remember when we planted the church here eight years ago, it was a daily struggle for me between faith and fear. You know, faith, well, God called us here. He's got a plan. I know he's going to do something good versus fear. I'm going to blow this. It's not going to work. Nobody's going to come. I'm going to mess it up. I'll say something wrong and everybody will leave. Like, you know, like this fear is over here and faith is over here. And I had to choose to walk by faith. So that's a spiritual discipline. But at the same time, I want that to be a heart condition where I'm just in faith, just receiving faith. Ephesians 6.16 is a piece of the armor of God, that section, wonderful section in Ephesians chapter 6. We'll just look at the one piece here. Ephesians 6.16 says this, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So faith here is a shield. Imagine if circumstances could not shake your faith, how safe would your heart be? If you just... We're in a, a heart condition of faith where you're like, well, I don't understand this at all. And it's rather painful, but I know God's in control and he's going to get us through and he's got a plan. And if, if that plan is for us to dance in heaven, then that's what we're going to do. But if it's to get through this difficult time, then we're going to fight through it because I know God's got this. Our heart is safe when we have an attitude of faith. We will not be shaken by circumstance. But also faith, faith in God is an effective way to get results to change our circumstances. Like we talked about the woman with the issue of blood from Matthew chapter 9, the woman who was subject to bleeding. We read about that earlier in the sermon. And she reaches out and she touches the hem of Jesus' garment where the rabbis, they had these prayer shawls and different parts of them signified different kinds of prayers. And I'm not real up on all that stuff. But there was certain parts. If you need healing, you touch this part of the prayer shawl. And that's what she was going for. She's going for the healing part. It wasn't just any random piece of clothing. There was a specific things that made sense in the Jewish culture that she was going for. So her faith was something that didn't just protect her heart and have the circumstances in the world stay the same. It was something that protected her heart and her circumstances changed. Now, hallelujah for that. We want to grab hold of that. But then also when we're talking about faith, we need to make sure that we're not putting our faith in our faith. So that we're just like, well, if I just have enough faith, then I can turn this coffee cup into gold and I can pay my mortgage off and that'll be fantastic. So I'm just going to believe as hard as I can. It doesn't work that way. I need to find a promise in the scriptures and believe that. Trust God, not trust my capacity to somehow manipulate the world through faith and faith. So we need to seek out the promises of God, the good things of God and grab a hold of them. True faith is faith in God. I mean, I hadn't thought about this before, but I think faith is so complex because it is a spiritual gift. It is a fruit of the Spirit. It is something that we need to just choose to walk by faith. And it may be other things as well. Faith is a very complex part of our relationship with God. But part of it is as a fruit of the Spirit. And I can tell you this, as I've walked with God, my faith has grown. As I've seen God be true, my faith has increased. So I see that as faith is a fruit of the Spirit. I used to be very, I don't know, maybe I was self-reliant. I thought, well, maybe God's not going to come through this time. You know what? God's going to come through. may not look the way we want it to look, but God's going to come through. As we close, I want to just talk about something that happened in Jesus' ministry 
when he wasn't there and he had the disciples there, the prayer teams were going and they're praying for this child. A father had brought his son to be prayed for. And the son had all kinds of problems. He had some serious spiritual problems and, you know, he needed to be delivered. And there was a demon that tried to throw him into fire and would give him convulsions and all this stuff. And that's how it's described. And the disciples are praying for this kid and they're trying to get him set free from all this bondage and these problems. And it's just not working. And imagine what it's like as a parent to see your child suffer. You know, it's one thing to suffer yourself. It's much worse to see your child suffer. And so this father has stepped out in faith to bring his child to the meeting and to get prayer, and it's not working. And then Jesus shows up, and he looks at the city, he was like, what's going on here? And uh, like, well, you know, we're trying to get this done, and it's not working, and, and the father's talking to Jesus, and, and Jesus is trying to straighten the situation out. So the father says to Jesus, look, if you can help out, I'd really appreciate it. And Jesus says, if, (laughs) if I can. And then he talks about the father's faith. And here's the response that the father gives to Jesus in Mark chapter nine, verse 24. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Is faith and lack of faith, are they mutually exclusive? I don't think so. I think you can Be in faith and be out of faith at the same time. You can be in belief and unbelief at the same time. This is complex stuff. And don't we know what this means? I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. I want to focus on two things. The first thing is the choice to say, yes, God, I'm in. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to make that choice. I'm going to trust you, but I know I've fallen short. So please forgive me of my sins and my shortcomings and help me to learn your ways and follow you. And then for those who have already put your faith and your trust in God, but you see there's also unbelief in there, then we're going to ask God to help us with our unbelief. This man had made the choice to believe, but he looked in his heart and he saw there's some stuff here I can't just choose. I need God's help with this. I need my heart condition to change. Well, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that you are so good. Praise be to your name. Lord, help us to be people of faith. Help us to be people who have a heart condition of faith. Lord, who aren't shaken by the circumstances in this world, but who can access your power, not just to protect our hearts, but also to help change our circumstances. Let us be people of faith. And Lord, for those here that need to make that decision and say, yes, Lord, I want in. I want to walk with you. I want to know who you are, but I know I've fallen short. Lord, for those who need to pledge their faith in you for the first time or to renew that pledge. Lord, I pray that you would just prompt them right now and that as they reach out for forgiveness and reach out to be restored and connected with you, that you would just make that so clear to them. Lord, when we ask for forgiveness of sins, that forgiveness is there and we are reconnected with you and connected with you. And Lord, help them to walk in your ways and follow you and learn all these great, wonderful things about what it's like to serve and walk with you. And Lord, for each one of us, when we say we believe, help us with our unbelief. We walk by faith, but there's fear right there with us. Lord, we're just honest with you. We believe, but we need help with our unbelief. 
Help us not to believe amiss, to trust in our own desires instead of your promises, to get off base and and start running the wrong direction. And then when we hit the brick wall, just getting mad at you. But Lord, give us wisdom to understand how to direct our faith, how to grow our faith, and how to overcome that unbelief by your power. So Lord, I pray that you would give us a heart that is full of faith, that is a huge shield that the enemy's arrows cannot penetrate. In Jesus' name, amen.